Welcome to The Drive with Josh Downs, a faith-based coaching podcast where I'll share weekly thoughts, principles, insights, and more, all designed to help you build a better self, to better love yourself, so that you can better become all you were meant to be. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Drive Podcast. I'm Josh Downs, and today's episode is episode 532, The Soft Start. Okay, so listen up. Today's message is for anyone in a relationship or that wants to be in a relationship that lasts or has ever had conflict in a relationship. So I guess you could probably say that this week's thought is pretty much for everyone. Well, this past week, I had a chance to uh, attend a camp for teens that my foundation put on, which was just an incredible experience. As a part of that camp, we had several speakers come to, to speak to our kids in the evenings. One of my favorites was a motivational speaker and mentalist by the name of Sean Bott. He delivered a wonderful message and was just a phenomenal speaker, and he shared some wonderful insights with all of us. His focus in his message was on communication and developing connections with others. It really was so insightful to see just how much the kids paid attention to him and the message that he was sharing, those things that he was saying and teaching about connection. Because I've known for a while that these kids today are starving, absolutely starving for connection and deeper friendships. And so they were very much engaged in asking questions about things like how to start conversations, how to approach people, just how to make new friends. Well, the truth is, teenagers aren't the only ones that struggle with relationships and I believe are starving for better and deeper connection and and struggle at times with building those connections. It really is an art, the art of connection. The art of connection, I believe, is becoming more and more lost in today's world of quick communication and surface-level interactions. However, as a part of Sean's message, he shared a few tips that I thought were so helpful, not only to teenagers, but really to anyone looking to deepen their connections with friends, with family, maybe with a spouse or a significant other, or really anyone that we come across. Well, there was one thought, one message in particular that I wanted to to focus on and share this week with you because of the way it resonated with me. Sean referenced as a part of his message and and one of the principles that he was uh, discussing and sharing with the kids a six-year study that was done by a Dr. John Gottman who focused on communication in relationships. Basically, his research over the course of those years demonstrated that the first three minutes of a conversation could be an indicator as to how the conversation would end. He found that 94% of the time that if the discussion starts with a harsh tone and a harsh startup, that the outcome of the conversation will end as it began, negative and harsh. By just measuring these first three minutes of a conversation and communication, especially when it was related to conflict, they could even accurately use the results to correctly predict whether or not a relationship would last. I thought that was incredibly insightful. The principle simply stated is this, 94% of the time, a conversation will end the way it begins. If it begins harsh, 
it will end hard. If it begins soft, it will end soft. If it begins in anger, it will end in anger. If it begins in love, it will end in love. To start soft in our conversations appears to be a key in keeping our relationships from ending hard. And while that is a lot easier said than done, I know, this is something that I know we can also all train our brains to do and remember a little better. In fact, after researching this a little more, I want to give you a few tips to help each of you, including myself, start a little softer in our conversations with each other, especially when it comes to trying to resolve conflict. The first principle that I came across that was really universal across my study was first start the conversation gently. Complain, but don't blame. There's a difference between them. Complaining is okay, but it's the criticizing that is not. Criticizing is a statement uh, that is often a generalization. Using words such as always and never that attack another person's character. I know that each and every one of you are familiar with that method of communication uh, and probably been guilty of it just as much as I have. On the other hand, effective complaining might look a little something like this. Describe the situation non-judgmentally. Express how you feel about it and simply ask for what you need. The second principle that I came across was to work on making statements that start with I instead of you. And I think this is a significant one as well. Psychologist Thomas Gordon noted that when statements start with the word you instead of the word I, they are usually more likely to be critical and to make your partner defensive. So he suggests trying to say something like this. I would like it if you listen to me instead of you aren't listening to me. <laughs> Don't cheat, uh, he says, and form an I statement that is actually a you statement, such as I think you're mean. Rule number three is to describe what is happening. Don't evaluate or judge. Just simply describe. Instead of accusing or blaming, just describing what you see happening non-judgmentally. Say, for example, this. For the last uh, seven evenings, I've cleaned up the kitchen by myself. Instead of this, you don't ever help clean up. <laughs> see the difference? Can you feel the difference? A fourth rule is to talk clearly about what you need in positive terms. To say what you wish for or hope for and or what you want more of versus what you don't want. Instead of asking your partner to guess what you need or to read your mind, express it explicitly. Say something like this, I'd appreciate it if you would clean your stuff off the dining room table. Instead of, this dining room is a total mess. <laughs> The fifth rule is to be polite, to make requests politely, adding such phrases as please and I would appreciate it if. The sixth rule, I would say, is to give appreciations as often as possible. Noticing what our partners or our friends or our family members are doing right away always is the best way to go. If your partner has at some point been better in this situation, then ask for what you need and couch it within an appreciation of what your partner did right in the past and how much you miss that now. Be specific and don't store things up. Maybe try saying something like this, I always appreciate it when you made the bed in the morning and I miss that. Instead of, you never make the bed in the morning. Can you feel the difference in the way these types of conflicts are approached? The same things are being communicated but just in a softer way. 
which means that they will have a better chance of being received. When we start out attacking, it often brings up someone's defenses, and then that becomes war. Here's one last example. Let's say maybe your partner has not been paying much attention to you. A harsh startup might sound or go like this. You are so emotionally unavailable to me. And while that might be true, by attacking, you've just made sure that they've raised their walls, not lowered them. A softened alternative might be, I have been missing you lately, and I'm getting a little lonely. And I know that this might just seem like a minor difference, a little difference, but how often have we seen example after example, or have I shared example after example, of how it's the little things that add up to the great things? It's not just what we say, but it's how we say it. Now, obviously, in a heightened emotional state of conflict, we're going to have a harder time remembering things like this, which is why I like to try to package these kinds of principles in simple statements of truth in hopes that they'll stay with us longer and become a little more easily remembered when we need them most. And so if I were to package this principle in just a simple statement or sentence, it would be this. Remember, a conversation will end the way it begins. A conversation will end the way it begins. Now, once again, as great as a six-year study is to show this, it's still just a reminder of what God has taught us and been teaching us all along. This is what I love about Him. We tend to think that we're so smart, discovering new things, while all the while in Scripture for thousands of years, It's already been taught to us, especially when it comes to ways of improving our lives and certainly improving our relationships with both Him and with each other. One of my favorite verses in Scripture that taught this long, long ago was Proverbs 15.15, which records, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. American pastor Paul Tripp writes, I am my greatest communication problem. (laughs) The greatest difficulty, the greatest danger, and the everyday traps of communication that we all fall into exist inside me, not outside me. I love that statement because it puts the ownership right really where it belongs, which is on us. Again, we cannot control others and the way that others receive things. We can teach and we can hopefully train others to be more open and to understand how things ought to be received, but we can't force that. But what we can do is recognize what we can control and what we can do. And that the greatest difficulty, the greatest danger, and the everyday traps of communication that we all fall into exist inside of me, not in someone else. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, a beloved leader in my faith, taught this about the power of words that we choose to use, and I've always loved it. He said, The prophet Joseph Smith deepened our understanding of the power of speech when he taught, It is by words that every being works when he works by faith. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Joshua spake, and the great lights which God had created stood still. Elijah commanded, and the heavens were stayed for the space of three years and six months so that it it did not rain. All this was done by faith. Faith, then, works by words, and with words its mightiest works have been and will be performed. Like all gifts which cometh from above, words are sacred and must be spoken with care and by constraint of the Spirit.
That's a powerful thought when you think about really the power that words have. He says, I suppose it goes without saying that negative speaking so often flows from negative thinking, including negative thinking about ourselves. We see our own faults, we speak, or at least think, critically of ourselves, and before long that is how we see everyone and everything. No sunshine, no roses, no promises of hope or happiness. Before long, we and everybody around us are miserable. I think we've all known people that have become like that and that we've been around. It's not a lot of fun (laughs) to be around that kind of personality. He said, I love what Elder Orson F. Whitney once said. The spirit of the gospel is optimistic. It trusts in God and looks on the bright side of things. That's a great measuring statement to measure ourself against, to see where our attitude is, to see where we are in terms of uh, our love and acceptance and, and living of the gospel. Do we consider ourselves to be optimistic in this moment? Do we trust God and we look, do we look on the bright side of things? He says the opposite or pessimistic spirit drags men down and away from God, looks on the dark side, murmurs, complains, and is slow to yield obedience. We should honor the Savior's declaration to be of good cheer. Instead, it seems to me that we may be more guilty of breaking that commandment than almost any other. Speak hopefully, speak encouragingly, including about yourself. He concludes by saying, So brothers and sisters, in this long eternal quest to be more like our Savior, may we try to be perfect men and women in at least this one way now by offending not in word, or more positively put, by speaking with a new tongue, the tongue of angels. Our words, like our deeds, should be filled with faith and hope and charity, the three great Christian imperatives so desperately needed in the world today. With such words spoken under the influence of the Spirit, tears can be dried, hearts can be healed, lives can be elevated, hope can return, confidence can prevail. came across a story while I was doing a little bit of research on this particular topic that, although far from home, again just reiterates the principles that we've been discussing or that I've been sharing with you so far in in this episode. During high school, a Taiwanese writer by the name of Lin Qingzhan was considered a bad student, both academically and behaviorally. However, his teacher, Wang Yukang, never gave up on him. He often brought Lin home for dinner and asked him to sit in for him to teach while he was on leave. Wang told him, I have taught for 50 years. I can tell with just one glance that you can be someone great. Those words moved Lin, and he decided from that moment to work hard toward a purpose. A few years later, Lin became a reporter. At the end of an article that he had written about theft, Lin commented, With thoughts so meticulous, skills so dexterous, and a style so unique, a thief can do anything and succeed. He never would have thought that those heartfelt spur-of-the-moment words would have such an impact on another young man. Twenty years later, that young man who was a thief long ago, because of those words, had turned his life around and became an entrepreneur who enjoyed a moderate amount of fame. In an unexpected meeting with Lynn, the man sincerely thanked him. That article of yours brightened a blind spot in my life. 
It made me realize, he said, that I can do something useful besides being a thief. Now, he could have written in harshness about thievery, but he chose a different approach and changed someone's course for the better without ever being present because of the words he chose to say, which I'm sure in large part were influenced influenced by the words that he himself heard when things were difficult for him. And we can do the same if we'll remember to start soft in whatever we say and however we say it. If we want a person's heart to be softened, then we must learn to soften our own. A soft start will always lead to a softer end. So this week, let's practice in any and all conflicts we might have starting softer in our communication by remembering that 94% of the time, how a conversation starts is how it will end. Again, this may seem like just a little thing, but I challenge you to try to apply this little thing this week in your relationships and see if it doesn't just lead to great things in those relationships. Thanks for listening, everyone. And as always, if I can be of any assistance to your individual coaching or business-related training or speaking needs, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and let me know how I can best serve you, serve your family, and serve your business. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs, and you've been listening to The Drive.